As we conclude our series entitled 500 Years of God's Grace, it's a five solas series, and we've been going through the five bedrocks of the Reformation, which we celebrated 500 years of that on October 31st, Reformation Day. And so today is the final of those five solas. The title of this th- today's message is For the Glory of God Alone. For the Glory of God Alone. And our text is Romans eleven thirty six. Romans eleven thirty six. A theologian once said that what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So let me just slow down there. What, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's the, the most important thing about us as a church. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Is it God's glory? Now, God's glory is a big concept. To help you kind of wrap your mind around that, this is God's worth, God's value, God's greatness, God's power, God's purpose, the very, the very power and purpose of God. Is that what comes to mind? Here's another way of thinking about it. What is the flag that flies over your life? Let me explain. Typically, the glory of a nation, the glory of a, of a sports team, the, the glory of an entity can often be captured in the flag. It's not unusual for a nation when it conquers a land. One of the first things they do is they plant the flag. That famous uh, sculpture of Iwo Jima when the Marines were planting the American flag after giving up so many lives and so much blood to capture that island that was key to winning the Second World War. So when we captured it, the, these men ran up there and they planted the flag. Whose flag is planted over your life? Not just theologically. I'm not talking about making a decision 10 years ago. I'm not talking about your beliefs. But I mean the functional flag over your life. Is it the flag of God Almighty? Is His glory what you live for? Is it His purposes? His ways? That's the question. That's the question that drove the Reformers 500 years ago. Because sadly, living for the glory of God, or let me say it this way, living to display the glory of God was not at the core of the church 500 years ago. And actually, this this final sola, which is soli deo gloria, for God's glory alone, is the one that ties in all the other solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Sola Gratia, grace alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. All of those are tied together by this final sola, to God's glory alone. Because that is the ultimate purpose for all of creation. And the church had lost their way. And instead of the flag of God and the flag of God's glory flying over the church in 1517, it was the flag of man's authority and man's way and man's merit. And God raised up these reformers 500 years ago 
to replant the flag, so to speak. Now, let me be careful here. They didn't have to replant the flag of God's glory. God's glory is planted but they had to replant the flag of the display of God's glory. What was the purpose of the church? To display God's glory or to display man's glory? What is the purpose of my life? To display God's glory or my glory? And, and, and one of the ways you can tell is when you're going for something and you don't get it. When you fail at something, whether it's you fail at being a righteous person and you give in to anger and you know you've sinned, and you know at that moment, man, I blew it. At that moment, if, if our purpose is to display God's glory, we grieve, but we say, okay, God, I want to display your glory. How can I do that in this moment of shame? And when you succeed, when you get that degree, when you get that acceptance, when you make all that money, is your thinking, this is meant to display God's glory. Or is it just meant to display my glory? It's a subtle shift. We're all tempted with it. In fact, I would argue it is the temptation of man right from the beginning. When Adam and Eve had a choice, do we live under the flag of God's glory and God's call for us to display that glory or do we rip that flag down and plant our own flag and live for our glory? Sadly, that's what they did, and we've been living with the consequences ever since. But here, the reformers are saying God is restoring creation and his people that they might display his glory again. And from that flowed Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. It is what captures all of this. It is what captures our lives it is for this reason that God has called us. As a matter of fact, the, the cry of the Reformation on the screen that we, that salvation is according to Scripture alone, in Christ Jesus alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, that is fueled by God's glory. The church today, as the church back then, has often replaced God's flag with our own flag. And so the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, he brings them back to God's glory. He brings them back, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to what is really important in your life. Your life has meaning, my friend, as you live it in display of God's glory. In good days and bad days. In success and in failure. Both God will use to display his glory. So let's read about it. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? We sang that today. That song, Behold Our God, has these words in it. Who can teach you, God? Who can counsel you, God? Verse 35. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? We can't repay God. And then verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Paul has just finished by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing 11 chapters that display God's glory. God's glory in creation. God's glory in salvation. God's glory in the church. And he is overwhelmed and he's just affected by all that he's written and he breaks out into this doxological shout in verses 33 to 36 
He glories not in his understanding of it, because he states clearly who can understand it, but he glories in the God who made it all possible. God's call for us to display His glory shines through this text. This text fueled the Reformers 500 years ago to live for God's glory, to live to display that glory, that the flag of God's glory would fly over the church and the flag of man's glory and man's doctrines and man's authority would be ripped down. For God alone is the conqueror. God alone is the creator. God alone is the one who saved us. Point one. God's glory displayed in creation. Look at verse 36 again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. The all things there points back to creation. What Paul is saying is everything is of God. I believe what Paul is thinking in this text here is of Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1, the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When there was nothing, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created the earth out of nothing. Why is that important? Because this earth is God's, and it is His flag that flies over it. Period. And He created the heavens and the earth to display his glory that's the reason he created it psalm 19 1 and 3 on the screen the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork the heavens declare the glory of god go back to verse 1 and the sky above proclaims his handiwork when you go out at night and you look at that sunset that beautiful sunset And you marvel at it. When you go to the ocean in the morning and watch the sunrise, if you see pictures from the smidgens and those wonderful mountains in Alaska, and you go, wow! If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon and you just marvel at that, every single blade of grass, every tree, every mountain, every cricket was designed to display God's glory. Now, Now here's the problem. When Adam and Eve decided to rebel against the true owner of this earth and the true owner of their lives, the one who created them and all the earth out of nothing, he created something. When they chose to rebel against him, it affected creation. So today, creation, though designed to display God's glory, also has things that are negative, are broken. We experienced one of those in September. Those negative and broken things then break our things. They're called hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. So, so, so the natural creation is groaning. It was designed to display God's glory. But here's the promise of Scripture. One day, God will fully restore the physical creation that it might once again fully display His glory. Listen, Christian. Our eternal home is going to be in the new heavens and new earth. And they will be restored back to the place they were before sin, before the fall. There will be eternal glory displayed in creation. That's going to be our home. What a great hope that is. 
That hope fuels us. That hope fuels us because if creation was brought about to display God's glory, then we as God's creation were created to display His glory. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 on the screen. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Now here's why. Verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Listen to me. You were created to bring glory to God, to display that glory. Let me, let me adjust that. God doesn't need you or me to bring him glory. He has all the glory. You got it? He's not glory deficient. His pockets aren't empty of glory. But, but you know why he created you? to display his glory. You know why he made you exactly as he made you? The height you are, the skin color you have, the language or country you came from, the abilities you have. Some of you are really strong. You're big and strong and you can do a lot of physical work. Some of you are really smart. God really gave you the ability to understand things, maybe numbers. Some of you have incredibly skilled hands. You could do surgery, you could do brain surgery and and you would do it just right. Some of you have incredible personalities. You light up a room. Some of you are really funny. You can make people laugh. Now listen, all of those gifts are from God and they're designed that you might display His glory, not yours. That's where we get it wrong, isn't it? That, That flag of God's glory gets taken down subtly from our lives and the flag of my glory gets put up, and suddenly I forget that the reason I'm all perky and I'm physically fit and I can lead people in some wonderful aerobics is to display God's glory and serve others. And so so God's glory is displayed in creation, in creating us. As a matter of fact, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is a wonderful confession. If you've never read that, it's one of these, a catechism is a way to train You can use it to train your children. I did that in my home. It's a series of questions. And the very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. On the screen, question, what is the chief end of man? What is your chief end? What is the main purpose of your life? What what is the one thing you got that, that is your life's all about? Here it is. What is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You could also say it like John Piper says, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. I think it's both and, to display God's glory. Displaying God's glory is the ultimate. But you may be sitting here, you may be wondering, how can I do that, Al? I I don't know that I'm displaying God's glory. I find myself stuck in this place that John Piper talks about in the following quote. This place of the flag of God's glory having been taken down from my life and suddenly I have the flag of my own glory set up in my life and and I find that my life is described this way. Piper says the following, if you really believe this, that we live for God's glory, that the ultimate purpose for man is God's glory, that's a radical thought. Because most people say, no, it's all about me. Even salvation, it's about me. It's about my happiness. My, everything's about me. That's the way we're wired. That's called the fall. The fall has affected all of us. We're all wired that way. 
But, but, but God saves us and he orients us to himself that it's all about God's glory. And Piper says, if you really believe this, that the ultimate purpose is for God's glory, to display God's glory, then all the rivers of your thinking run toward God. But if not, if you do not, then all the rivers run toward man. Settling this issue is worth many nights of prayer and months of study. What do you do when you get to the place and you say, Al, the continental divide, right, in the United States. All the rivers on one side run one way. All the rivers on the other side run the other way. The continental divide of my life, I keep run, my rivers keep running toward man. I keep running toward selfishness. I keep getting mad at people when they don't give me what I want. I keep getting selfish in all my desires. I keep falling into looking into inappropriate images on this computer. I keep kind of lying a little bit to get my own way. I keep being um, greedy. I keep way overspending on me, me, me. What do I do? How can I display God's glory if I'm so fallen? Point two. Point two. God's glory displayed in salvation. Oh, praise God for this point. That's what Paul is saying here. This is a, this is a summary of all the solace. God's glory displayed in salvation, just as creation was from him, through him, and to him, so salvation is from him, through him, and to him. Paul just finished sharing that in chapter 9 of Romans, God's sovereignty in salvation and being merciful. Romans is a beautiful book of the, the story of God's salvation. And as God is moving with his people, and he's totally sovereign in it, and salvation is designed to display God's glory. What is at the center of God's salvation? The cross. Paul would say that the glory of God is revealed in the cross. I I find that so wonderful. A place that is shameful. Jesus was crucified naked. A place that was so painful. I was sharing with a, a Muslim recently and he just couldn't understand the cross. It is so brutal. How could God do that? is the place of God's glory. Because we need to be restored back to the place where we can display God's glory and not my glory. I know for me, every time I get angry, that is one of those places where I'm playing God and I am displaying Alpino's glory. And it is actually shame. So I need a place where my God was shamed to take my shame to restore me to be able to display his glory again. It's at the cross. Now that idea of the cross didn't come from me. It didn't come from you. It didn't come from some theologian. No one made that up like all the other religions. There's there's nobody that made this up. The same triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who created everything out of nothing by his word, ordained before the earth's foundation that you would be saved, dear Christian. He chose you, according to Ephesians, before the foundation of the earth. Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth. I don't understand it fully, but what that tells me and what it told the reformers is sola scriptura. Scripture alone. Only scripture can give us the pathway that we might be restored to be able to display God's glory. Not the Pope, not the church teaching, not any other dogma, not my thoughts, not my philosophy. Scripture and scripture alone. That is what the reformers based the Reformation on. That's where it began. That's where it began. It was God's idea. 
And God revealed it to us. We didn't find it. He revealed it to us. And he did it in Christ alone. Think about this. God Almighty, the one who owns all the earth, the creator of this entire earth, whose flag flies over this earth because it's his land, not ours, not the devil's, not anybody else's. That same God comes to earth to redeem rebels against him. So he plants the flag, boom. He restores us. He says, this is my earth, and he calls us to display his glory. And instead of living under the flag of God's authority, we launch a rebellion with our rebel flag. We commit cosmic treason. And in any other government, and I know in this government, you commit treason, what is your penalty? Death. Instead of killing us, he comes down and gives his life for us. And that displays his glory. And he doesn't do it primarily because of us. This is the part that may suddenly kind of hit you wrong. He does it for his own glory. But thankfully, it's for our good too. But don't get this mixed up. This is where it can become a man-centered gospel. Ultimately, the cross, Christ, salvation, Christianity is about God's glory. But then we benefit from it because he changes our our putrid, stinking, lost lives to become beautiful, clean displays of his glory. But let us never forget, it's always to display his glory, not ours. Therefore, solus Christus, it's in Christ alone. Therefore, sola gratia, it's by grace alone. It's not by our merits. It's because of him And sola fide, by faith alone, through faith alone, God imputes or gives us his righteousness. It's a foreign righteousness. It's his that he gives us because Christ took our sins on the cross. And of course, soli deo gloria. This is amazing, my friends. And what's truly amazing is then, after pardoning the treasonous rebels, he then says, Instead of not ever trusting you again, instead of assigning you to some work brigade in the backside of the kingdom, breaking rocks up, he gives us a seat at the table. Listen, Christian, and he promises to share his glory with you forever and ever and ever. See, see that's why it's, it's crazy to exchange that glory for temporary glory here. That's why I tell you, take the flag of your glory down off your life. It's hard. As I told you, I've recently experienced this. It's sad. But even in our failures, church, even in the day when we sin against God and others, we hurt people, and we're just looking in the mirror, you know, and we're looking at our spiritual body, and we're going, Bleh. That's an opportunity to to display God's glory. How? Because in salvation, Jesus forgives me. Jesus pours his blood. He poured out his blood to forgive me. And he pours out his grace. And he says, you're forgiven. And then he says, now go, go. You ask for forgiveness for others. And you go and ask for forgiveness for others. And you know, sometimes because of the sin, there are consequences. And you just stand there and you say, okay, I'm forgiven. I'm going to display your glory. And I know there's going to be consequences. And I patiently just endure that. And I say, yeah, I deserve this. I deserve worse. I deserve death but I don't have it but in that moment of weakness and 
brokenness and dysfunction in a church, in a family, in your lives, in your business, in your education, when all your plans go wrong. You say, God, I just want to display your glory. I didn't 10 minutes ago when I got angry, but now I realize my sin. Would you please forgive me? Let me take that flag of my glory down. Let me erect your flag. And every time, every time we go through that process and humble ourselves, in fact, repentance was a big theme for the reformers. We live a life of repentance. Every time we do, guess what? It's a little spark of God's glory. It's a little pinhole light of God's glory shining out in the darkness. And one day, if you imagine this black piece of paper, you start poking little pinholes in it and the light's coming through. And then one day Jesus is going to come and just bust that paper wide open with the bright glory of his kingdom that we see. We see him. And it's that day that we anticipate as we live under the flag of his glory. I love this quote from James Montgomery Boyce, a theologian who has since gone on to be with the Lord. He wrote this, if the entire creation is from God, through God, and to God, and it is, and if the way of salvation is likewise from God, and through God, and to God, then you, as a part of God's redeemed creation, are also from him and through him and to him. In other words, you also exist for God's glory and must give it to him. I would probably adjust that last piece. Yes, that's true. I mean, we give God glory. It's, it's his. We're not going to take it from him. And he doesn't need it. But I think what he's saying, the way I would, it helps me to think about it, we display his glory. You know, we salute the flag. We, we, we live under the authority of that flag over us. We don't run into a cave somewhere and erect our own flags and, and act as rebels. I believe that Jesus has, has given us the grace to do that. And even when we fail to do that, he displays his glory. Why? Because the cross, the place of shame, is followed by the resurrection, the place of glory, and the ascension into glory. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I have hope of glory because Jesus has promised me that hope of glory. And that brings me great joy. Great blessing. The joy of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is my strength. Why? Because maybe God has chosen for me to display his glory through a dream that dies. And it may have been a good dream. But God says, I'm going to display my glory through a broken dream. I'm going to display my glory through not being able to do something you've wanted to do for 20 years. Maybe God wants me to display his glory through fantastic success. Listen, some of you have grown up in families where there were resources to send you to school and you had years and generations of of godliness and you're in a place now, you have much success. Maybe in our culture, you're seen as a very respected person. Enjoy that. But just remember, that's to display God's glory. When you go to work tomorrow, work as hard as you can and God may say, I'm gonna choose to display my glory through that person by getting favor with the boss, promotions, and it's going to be a financial blessing to them. And some of you, God's chosen to display his glory by you being bad-mouthed, put in a bad place, maybe even fired. I'm not prophesying anybody's getting fired tomorrow. Maybe. And it's going to hurt. But if I'm living, if the flag of God's glory is over my life, this pain, though hard, 
is nothing compared to the glory that I'm going to have forever and ever. So I just say, God, this is hard. I want to soldier on. Like Jesus in the garden, if it be your will, may this cup pass. And then he said, but not my will, but your will, Father. Because the flag over my life is your glory, not mine. I know that's hard, church. And I want to pray for all of you right now.